It is a privilege again to be asked to, to preach the Word of God this morning. So I'd like to just open with greetings in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And just on a, a light note, I was going to give a couple of New Year's greetings in some different languages for those here. And uh, hopefully I don't butcher these languages, but for Vernonella, Frohes Nois Yar. For our Greek contingent, this is a difficult one. Uticus menos ox canorios chronos. For um, our Italian company, we've got some Italians here. Buono anno. For, where's Vani? Annu Ferisit. I hope that was for <laughs> And for our Africans, Gilokige Nuwayar. And for, especially for Brother Eddie, Jebulela Unyaka Umusha. <laughs> I probably said something terrible there, but anyway. <laughs> and for the, the Irish contingent here, Athleen Fayyashi Yiv. So happy New Year to one and all. I'm, I know I've left out Romanian and a couple of others, but that would be, uh, that would be a disaster, I think, if I tried that. But uh, anyway, let's just um, settle down. We pray for the, the Lord to come through his word this morning. So we thank you, Lord, this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to open up the Word of God. It is a precious thing. It's quick and it's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It does pierce between the soul and the spirit and, and um, separates. And uh, it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And uh, it's vital for us. And uh, we love your Word, Lord. And uh, our desire is to, um, to uh, draw from it and to, to grow in it. So we just ask that you bless this word this morning. Amen. Now most of us, as I think it will be a common topic this morning, take stock for the new year. And uh, you may reflect on the good and bad things of 2022. And there's perhaps things that you want to change for 2023. And uh, I used to be one for resolutions. I'm not particularly anymore, but, but uh, those good resolutions, you may want to improve your health or overcome a bad habit, or you may want to read the Bible in the year, or all good things perhaps in their own right. Um, but I remember standing here about the same time last year, and what I said was that if we could lift the level of prayer, and again I was speaking to myself, that that would be a wonderful thing, to lift the level of prayer as individuals and as a church. And um, I believe we did that. I believe that the, the level of the prayer meeting on Friday evening lifted a notch last year. And uh, I would encourage this this morning as we just shared in the time of chairing that we pursue prayer and um, let's make it a notch higher this year. And that, that's for one and all of us, both privately and corporately when we come together once a fortnight. So what else about the new year? Now I like the words of the song, just a closer walk with, with thee. And um, you know, the title of the song is Just a Closer Walk with Thee. And the first verse reads, I am weak, but thou art strong. Jesus, keep me from all wrong. I'll be satisfied as long as I walk. Let me walk close to thee. You know, just as we focused last year on lifting the level of prayer in the church, and again we do that this year, wouldn't it be a nice thing to walk closer to the Lord for 2023? And that would be a worthy... Um, resolution or goal, if you want to put it that way. So this morning, I want to take a break from the 
the series. I've been, I've been trying to cover the Beatitudes for the last two years and um, working through them one by one. And the next one, of course, is Blessed are the Peacemakers. But I want to talk this morning about having a closer walk with God, just a closer walk with Thee. And, um, you know, let's see what we can all gain from that this morning. So we're all familiar with the saying to not just talk the talk, but to walk the walk. Yeah, you, know, you know that when you walk with a person, it's, um, well, A, you're going in the, in the same direction, and B, there's a very good chance that communication is going to be um, possible. You're walking together in the same direction, you're within earshot, and your you know, mouths are close. You're walking in the opposite direction, that's not possible. You may be able to shout, you may be able to, to pass some comment in passing. But walking with someone, you get to know their thoughts. Walking in a deep manner, of course, you get to know their thoughts. You can share your thoughts. You can get to enjoy their company. And you can empathize with them. You can walk in their shoes. And you get to understand and know them more. And the principle is sim similar with the Lord. You know, when you walk with the Lord, you get to know him. But, of course, there is a, there is a significant difference between the Lord and between us, uh, his created beings, because he knew us before we were formed in our mother's womb. He knows us anyway. So we walk with the Lord. We want to walk with the Lord, but it's really for our benefit so that our relationship with him grows because we draw our life from the living God. That's where the real life comes from. And uh, you, won't, you won't get that from study. You won't get that from meditation. You won't get it from um, you know, academic pursuits. All good things, perhaps, in themselves. But you need to walk with the Lord to receive spiritually and to grow, to grow in Him. So that's the thought that, 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 that uh, I wanted to convey there. It says there in James 4, verse 8, it says, Draw nigh to God, and He will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. So walking with God, it's not just about spending time in prayer and the word, and those things are vital for all of us here. But it's also our daily walk before others. And it's, you know, it's a lot of things. It's walking in the spirit and not fulfilling the lusts of the flesh. It's standing out as different in a wicked and a perverse generation. And, um, you know, a generation that's rapidly declining before our eyes. You know, your walk, you may not realize it, your testimony, is very, very important. You know, I can think of my, my brother. My brother is unsaved. And, um, you know, if I mention things, the Lord will usually get turned against me. But he says things like, you know, he talk about, and like I, I said this before, you know, look at these money preachers. Look at these, these uh, you know, I won't name names, but look at these guys. They're, they're crooks. They're gangsters. Well, I said, well, you're right. They probably are crooks and gangsters. But when you stand before the Lord, you can't use that excuse. That's not going to excuse you. It, uh, you may be right, but it's, it's uh, many times people use things like that, but it's, it's only a cover or a cloak for their disobedience and rebellion underneath anyway. So, you know, we want to stand out. We want to be different. So our personal testimony is important. You know, if you truly walk with God, you'll be holy. And the, the topic of holiness, it comes up I guess from time to time in discussion and what the definition is and there's maybe lots of ways to express it. But it really is it's separation unto God 
for sanctification, for, for his use. And if you're walking with God, well, by default, you're going to be holy. You're going to be walking in a holy way, and you'll be fit for his purposes, and he can use you. So a lot of things flow out from this, from walking with God and, and uh, having that relationship with him. You know, this journey that we walk on, there's certain baggage we don't want to bring on the journey. And one of those, of course, is sin. You know, that when you truly walk with God, we don't want to sin. Again, it's another topic that comes up about, you know, sin and, and, and sin in the Christian and why it happens and how it comes about. But there's a certain key there that if, you, if you're walking with God, you want to walk with Him and you desire that relationship, well, then you don't, re don't really want to sin. It does happen from time to time, but that desire should not be there. You should have the victory in that sense. You know, we reflect back on Matthew chapter 7, and you know, we know there in that chapter there's, there's uh, so much of the words of, of Jesus. But it talks in Matthew chapter 7 about the two gates you can enter by and the two roads you can walk on. And um, only one of those leads to eternal life. And I, when I was just preparing, I liked one of um, the comments I found from D.L. Moody. And he said that if, if I walk with the world, I cannot walk with God. You know, it took a long time for the penny to drop with me about what the world really is. And I think you might struggle with it as a younger Christian. Again, I could talk to the younger ones here this morning. The world is very, very attractive. There are a lot of things in the world that will lay hold of you and get your attention and will divert you away from a walk with God. And uh, not necessarily all of those things are bad. A lot of them are. But you can't have your feet in two places. You can't serve God, you can't serve mammon, you can't have two masters, as it also says in Matthew. And you have to make a decision at some stage because the road that leads to salvation, the road that leads to life, few there be that are on it. Few there be that pass through that gate. And you have to, you have to make that decision. And I had to make that decision. And uh, I, I'll be honest, I've sat through you know, some of the preaching and... Um, it took a while from, for, for, for it to sink into me why certain forms of entertainment, why certain, certain actions are actually wrong and why they're bad, they're not good for you. And, um, you know, when that becomes clear to you, you have to take action. I know it's been preached on in the past here by Pastor Gary and Pastor Werner, but I know now, the penny has dropped with me, this world is not your friend. It's your enemy. And... Uh, not in the sense that we don't want to preach the gospel and see people saved, but the things of this world, the um, attractions of this world, the seduction of this world, the God of this world, those things are all traps. And, you know, we, we sang that song, they're sinking down in sin. Well, you'll sink down and you'll be like quicksand when you get caught up in this world. And uh, you have to make that decision. So I'll just say that this morning, every one of us here, if you haven't made that decision, you will have to make it. You have to choose because we don't want to be like the, um, the ones that, that Jesus talks about in Revelations that are neither hot nor cold, the ones that he will spew out of his mouth. So, so we need to make that decision and, and to be firm on the side that we stand on and firm in our convictions. So when we walk with God, he's going to be at the very center of our thinking. He's in the center of everything we say, do or think our relationships, our plans, 
every aspect of our lives. And you know, it's, um, yeah, no, I, I speak to myself when I say this, it would certainly be a good thing if we stop before our actions and say, Lord, what do I do here? What do you want me to do? What's the right thing here? Should I participate in that? Should I go there? Should I be listening to this? And if we could remember to do that, we'd probably save ourselves a lot of strife. I want to reflect just this morning on Enoch. He's one of those mysterious characters in the Bible. And uh, we read there in Genesis 5, chapter 21, it says, And Enoch lived sixty and five years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God, and he be, after he begat Methuselah, three hundred years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Now, I read it from that, that for at least 300 years, Enoch walked with God, depending how you interpret the, the wording there. <coughs> what does it mean for me? Well, I want to walk with God for the years that I've been given since the age of 34, when I was born again. And I want God to take me with him, either when I die, or perhaps in a similar manner to Enoch. You have my funeral, at your funeral, what do you want to be remembered for? Do you want to be um, a great man or a great woman? Do you want to be remembered as one who was wealthy and perhaps you were a philanthropist, you gave lots away, generous person, a talented person, or perhaps an unyielding or stubborn person, man or woman, <clears throat> or whatever character qualities, either positive or negative, that you possessed. You know, a few weeks ago, I was at my brother's funeral in Ireland, and uh, that funeral is what they call nowadays a humanist ceremony. You know, at that ceremony, there was some profanity. There was a few nice things said about his life. There were some tears shed, and that was it. You know, and I, I, when I think about it, that type of occasion is probably the most depressing thing. You know, if, you, if you're lost, what hope, what hope is there to sit through a ceremony like that. But for the Christian, of course, it's different. So I prefer to be remembered not as any of those character qualities, be they good or bad, that, that, that I just mentioned there. I'd rather be remembered as a man, or perhaps this morning, you'd rather be remembered as a woman who walked with God. Much nicer thing to hear at your, your uh, ceremony or to see printed on your headstone, I think. And I know this morning that my home is definitely not here. But I also know that I want to enter his presence with a good report card that I walked with him. You know, the Bible's a lot to say about walking. You go back to Genesis, earlier in Genesis, earlier than Enoch, in chapter 3, we find that Adam and Eve, they walked with God. But sin brought that great separation and uh, that gulf. And thank God for Calvary, which we spoke about this morning because I finally healed that, that gulf and, and um, joined the cross and made it possible for man again to relate to God. So walking, how you walk, who you walk with, where you walk, it is an important topic in Scripture, and you'll find there's a lot of references to walking in the Scriptures. There's another one who'd like to, to walk with us, and um, I don't want to walk with him, but we read about him in Peter 5, verse 8. He's our adversary, the one who walks about as a roaring lion, seeking 
whom he may devour, kill. He wants to kill, he wants to destroy, he wants to steal. And he's very real. And um, the world may dismiss him, but we shouldn't dismiss him this morning. We shouldn't stray into his territory, and we shouldn't walk in his territory at all. And it goes back again this morning to just what I said earlier about being in the world. The world is the territory of the adversary. He's the prince of this world for a time. And uh, we ought to be careful and aware of his schemes. So I am weak, but thou art strong. And the opening lines of that hymn, they capture something very important. You know, that we must be humble and accept that before mighty God, a mighty God, that we're weak. In addition, God, he knows us. He knows our weaknesses. As I said, it's not that um, he particularly wants us to walk with him. It's for our benefit. We need to walk with him. We need to grow in him. We need to learn from him. And um, he knows you anyway. He knows every secret, every secret thought, every hidden motive of the heart. They're all open book to God. So, so we, 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 we can't fool or deceive God. You know, in our own strength, you cannot achieve anything spiritually. Or put another way, you can say that apart from the Lord, we are nothing or we have nothing. And then, you know, the natural disposition of men, it's governed by pride. Pride is the root sin. You know, we want to fix our own problems. We want to have glory among men. We want our reward here. But our strength, our real strength and our victory, it comes through Jesus and through him alone. Amen. Very warm up here. Now only when we walk with him and give him the glory, only then are we really and truly victorious. So I've got a couple of headings here which I want to go through. Again, the, the, the theme is walking with God. And one is paying attention to his word. And we turn to Ephesians chapter 5. We read there in verses 15 to 17. Again, we know the scripture. It says there, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So again, the walking and the importance of a careful Christian walk, circumspectly, paying attention, being careful, not being fools, not joining in with the foolishness of the world, but to be wise, to be wise in the ways of God, to be careful how we use our time, not to whittle our time away. Again, every time I, sp I say things like this, I'm not preaching just to, to all the good folk here this morning, I'm talking to myself. So we're not to be unwise, but to know the, the, the Lord's will. And the scripture there really emphasized the importance of a careful Christian walk. You know, the world is full of beautiful, gifted, and very, very capable people. But they're foolish in God's eyes because they've believed the lie and, not, and they've rejected the, the eternal and the precious gospel. So it doesn't matter what film star or what show you or how glamorous somebody is or how wealthy they are or how charismatic they are. 
If they're not saved, they're fools. How educated they are. There's a lot of professors in universities that are fools. They've bought the lie of evolution. And, um, you know, other things. I won't, I won't go into some of the other t current topics, hot topics, but, but um, people are very, very readily believe a lie rather than accepting or, or, you know, turning to God and believing what God says about situations. You know, you may ask this morning, and I've asked certainly, how do we know what the, the will of the Lord is? And the answer to that question is not new. It hasn't changed. And I just wrote down here, you know the will of God by, by praying and by reading his word. So we have the infallible word of God this morning, either on your phone or in paper or whatever medium. But we also have the Holy Spirit residing in us as a teacher. And... Um, you know, if you ask the Lord to open up the word to you, he will illuminate and open up the word. It becomes living. It's the living word of God. And it's not just the same print day to day. The Lord can illuminate scripture one day, you know, one that you may have read half a dozen times. And uh, that's the wonder and the, the, um, the power of the word of God is living. It's a living word. You know, I endeavor to, to pray and to read the word daily. I'm sure most people here do as believers. But sometimes I rush and I don't meditate correctly or give the attention that, that the, the word or, or time in prayer is due. And, um, you know, you don't always hear, I don't always hear what, what the Lord has to say. And, um, you know, it makes it very difficult to walk with God if you're not listening and you can't hear what he, what he says. You're quite likely to go off in the wrong path or to, to err. So we need to be um, listening to what he has to say and to to give her the time, and it's difficult sometimes when you have lots of perhaps work issues or family issues and other things pressing on your mind. But um, the value of that quiet time and undisturbed prayer and study is not to be underestimated. Very, very important. You know, it's a very difficult task to, to wield the sword of God, as it were, the word or to walk with him if we don't hear what he's saying. And certainly one I mentioned this morning, our adversary, Satan doesn't want you to hear from God. And he's quite capable of bringing distractions, even here this morning. You know, I often heard it said, and you've probably heard it, that he comes to, to pray, but not P-R-A-Y, but to P-R-E-Y, even within the four walls of a church. So we need to be wary of his schemes. Head knowledge. It's not enough. It's not enough to to read the Word of God in a year and to memorize, you know, fifty-six passages of Scripture. It has to be applied. The Word of God has to be applied. We know James one twenty-two. It says, "But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves." So we'd be like the fools that we mentioned there in, in Ephesians, um, in that passage from Ephesians if we were to just have the word as head knowledge, not apply it, not um, let it work in us. You know, we, you can't fool God. You might be able to fool others, but um, it's not a good thing to be hypocritical or fake. And it's, I'm sure we don't want to be that way, but we have to be careful. If we're not living and doing what he says, we're not obedient, and then we're open to those things. One of the attributes of God is 
You know, there are many attributes, but we know that he's omnipresent. He's not only with us here on Sunday morning or when we have our personal time with him. He's always with us. It's 24-7. You know, the sense of his presence may not, may not always be apparent to us, but he's still there. And um, I think sometimes, I find it personally, that's probably perhaps a hard thing to grasp. And that we have a tendency to compartmentalize or to separate our spiritual lives, as it were, from our, our daily lives. And, um, you know, perhaps again, if, if, if you really realized that God's word is 24-7, we might do what we said earlier on, we might just check in with God about certain decisions or what to do for a certain instance. And perhaps we'd find that we'd stray off that narrow path less frequently and err less often if we were constantly referring to him and realizing that 24-7 is there. So just a thought this morning on that. You know, if we're to walk with him, we have to trust him also. Again, you'll know the scripture, Proverbs chapter 5, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not on thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he will direct thy paths. Again, paths and the, the whole idea of walking, walking on his paths. So if we're to walk with God also, we must agree with him. So there's the question of obedience. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death, it says in Proverbs 14, verse 12. You know, he may require us from time to time to do things that we don't like. We may have to give up something that's very dear to us. We may have to sever a relationship or make a very, very difficult sacrifice. But that's, that's the call to obedience. We have to do those things. We want to maintain that walk and, and to, to walk in step, as it were, with him, to be in agreement with him. You also, over to walk with God, we must love him. You know, the words of Jesus, we must love the Lord our God with all our heart and all our mind. Also, he says, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. So love and obedience, these things, they all, they all work in together. Another scripture from Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God had ordained that we should walk in them. Walking again. You know, we all have purpose in life, no matter what our giftings are. And we need to walk with the Lord to fulfill his plan for us. So everyone here has a plan this morning, including myself. You know, there's things that God wants us to do, and uh, we need to find those things out and to obey him. Micah, cha Micah chapter 6, verse 8, one of the minor prophets. He had showed thee, O man, what is good, and what did the Lord require of thee, but to do justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. Walking again. God is righteous and just, and uh, no man will have an excuse when he faces God concerning his eternal destiny. And another scripture, Romans 13, verse 13. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. So to come there is, we have to be different in the world. We have to stand out. And that may draw attention, it may draw negative attention, it may draw persecution. 
but you can't be a chameleon, as it, as it says elsewhere. You, you have to stand out. You have to be different. Walking with God, being part of his body. You know, we should never, ever underestimate the importance of his church, the body of Christ, and the parts that we all play in it this morning. You know, like I've said it before here, and it really is something that, that the Lord's impressed in me, that the church is not here to serve our whims and our needs. It's not just here for agape meals or for lunches or for us to find, you know, a, a group of people or a clique that we like. You know, and some of those things might be okay in themselves. Church is the way that God has chosen to work through his will and his purposes in this time in the world. And we're part of the church. And if we read through 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you can do that in your quiet time, you see that there's diverse gifts that God has spread among the body. Among individuals here this morning, there's, there'll be gifts of prophecy, there'll be gifts of healing, there'll be interpretation of tongues, there'll be discerning of spirits, there'll be the gift of faith, all apparent from time to time as the Lord wills. They will operate among the healthy body. But you have to be present. You have to be here. You know, so the body, we see in that chapter also, it's not just for individuals. You know, it's not one member, but it's many working together as a body for his glory. And there should never be a schism in the body, but members should care for one another. And I was just thinking back to what my brother Peter was talking about, one of the, I think the church in his locality in South Africa, how there was only a small number of people in the town, yet there's 25 different churches. You know, that should not be the way it is. There shouldn't be multiple schisms and we shouldn't just be um, drifting apart or leaving because of offense. Wrong doctrine, yes, perhaps, you know, but uh, not over issues that should be resolved in a scriptural manner. So part of walking with God is functioning as a proper member of his church. You know, there's a consumer mentality that drives the world. And that consumer mentality, that should definitely not be present in the church. You know, we think of the words of John F. Kennedy, it's not what my country can do for me, but what can you do for your country? I don't know whether he, he got that from the scriptural thought, but it's not what the church can do for you, it's what part you have to play in the church. And uh, like I mentioned before, if you ever get a chance to listen to that sermon, 10 Shekels in a Shirt by um, Paris Reedhead, and it's a very, very powerful sermon. And it goes into that in detail. It talks about utilitarian Christianity and selfish Christianity as well. And that's not to be the way for us this morning. That's not what God intended. Walking with God, Jesus as our example. You know, we see in the scripture that Jesus, he never lacked. He was never, um, you know, spiritually drained as aware or not able to give out because he walked in obedience to the Father. And we can read in John 4, verse 32 to 34, where it says, But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Had any man brought him aught to eat? And Jesus said unto him, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. So Jesus was in obedience to the Father. He walked with the Father. Or 1 John, what does John say in, in chapter two, 1 John 2 verse 6? He that saith he abided in him ought himself also to walk even as he walked. So that's, that's for us this morning. That, um, you know, if we name ourselves as Christians this morning, we should depart from evil and we should walk as he walked. You know, what's good enough for Jesus 
It's more than good enough for all of us here this morning. Amen. Walking with God through the trials of life. Now, when we walk with God, I've, had it, I've heard it said, and I believe it's true, that the, it can be lonely. The road, that narrow road can be lonely. You know, for reasons that we may not understand in this life, we encounter various trials and tribulations. Now, I watched something the other day, which I'd, I'd recommend, actually, that, that you can check it out. It was sent to me by, um, I don't know if you all remember, David Amesbury. But it was a um, Tim Mackey, PhD, and he was talking about the Bible paradox, and that was the comparison of God's sovereign will on one side to freedom on the other and the freedom to choose evil. And he went through a not very heavy theological, I think you follow quite easily, but it was very, very interesting how you can actually swing the pendulum one way and, and be too emphasizing of the sovereignty of God, or you can come the other way and emphasize too much um, about the, free, the freedom that we have. And the only way that it was reconciled was through the cross. So some of these paradoxical arguments, and paradoxical thoughts that you see in the Bible that cause you to scratch your head from time to time, like sovereignty and, and um, free will, etc., they're resolved through the cross because all things meet through the cross. But if you get a chance, I'd encourage you to, to listen to that. So we have to have faith and believe the words of Jesus when he says that he will never leave nor forsake us. And we read that in Hebrews 13, verse 5, and also in the final verse in Matthew 28. He says he'd be with us till the end of the world. You know, there's so many scriptures. Psalm 23, of course. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. So whatever you're going through this morning, you know, you could be like Margaret sitting this morning in recovery. Could be all sorts of things going on here that, that um, are going on in your lives that are not apparent to others. But whatever they are, you're definitely not alone. And I want to assure you that this morning, you're not alone. That God is there 24-7. And we draw comfort from that, particularly in the trials of life. You know, I, you probably noticed, but I, I picked out that poem about the footprints in the sand. And you, I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but there's a photograph or a picture that goes with it. And it's a two sets of footprints walking in the sand, and then it becomes one. But there's a poem that goes with that, and it, it captures the thought, I think, what I'm trying to convey there. It says, one night I dreamed a dream. I was walking along the beach with my Lord. Across the dark sky flashed scenes from my life. For each scene, I noticed two sets of footprints in the sand, one belonging to me and one to my Lord. When the last scene of my life shot before me, I looked back at the footprints in the sand. There was only one set of footprints. I realized that this was at the lowest and saddest things of my life. This always bothered me, and I questioned the Lord about my dilemma. Lord, you told me when I decided to follow you, you would walk and talk with me all the way. But I'm aware that during the most troublesome times of my life, there was only one set of footprints. I just don't understand why, when I need you, you leave me. And the response, he whispered, my precious child, I love you. I will never leave you. Never, ever, during your trials and testings. When you saw only one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. So it's a, it's a nice thought. I think it, it conveys that uh, God is ever there, present for us. 
So I'll just bring it to a conclusion. You know, as you know, we were in Ireland recently, and uh, one of the things that amazed me over there was the number of times that it came up in conversation that couples had separated, divorced, or have, you know, people were having children in other relationships. And it was such a big change from um, what was really a conservative Catholic state that uh, I grew up in. You know, as Bible-believing Christians this morning here, we should understand that marriage, it is a commitment unto death. You know, you'd ask yourself then, do people really understand what commitment actually means? You know, feelings, they're very, very real. But um, commitment and a commitment to love outweighs or trumps feelings. And we should always carry that thought. You know, in a Christian walk, if we are truthful, there are times when our feelings dominate. And uh, it's just part of being still in this fleshly body. Your feelings break through. You know, you have seasons of, of great joy and lots of seasons of sadness and even despair. And it's even possible to become cold or distant from God. Or maybe it's just me. But God never changes, but people and situations do. You know, despite these realities, we would never dream, I hope, to say something like, you know, those people say about the, the wonderful institution of marriage, that I'm going to leave the Lord, or I'm not going to walk with it anymore. I'm going to find another God. There is no other God. There's only the living God. There's no one else we can go to. He is supreme. So, I mean, if we carry that thought through to our, perhaps our marriages and our day-to-day -day lives, it would be a different conclusion. We would never think of leaving the Lord. I would never think of leaving the Lord. So the just, they should live by faith, not by feelings or mood swings. And to walk with God, it takes faith, it takes commitment, and it takes resolve. You know, I'll just close by going back to Enoch. You mentioned Enoch earlier on. And um, if you look through your scriptures, you'll find that Enoch, he appears five times in the scriptures. He is, of course, mentioned in Genesis 5, 18 to 24, which we read earlier on. He's mentioned in 1 Chronicles 1 verse 3 as part of a genealogy. He's mentioned in Luke chapter 3 verse 37, again, as part of a genealogy. And in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 5 to 6, and in Jude 1, 14 to 15. And you'd ask the question, what can we learn from Enoch that's important or that can be important for us today? There are similarities between the world of Enoch and the world we're in. You know, just as we live in a world that's heading towards judgment, Enoch lived in a world that was about to be wiped out by a great judgment of God in, in a massive flood. Today, just as in that world which was full of sexual perversion and violence and wickedness, you know, today it's the same here. We're surrounded by the same things. But despite all the surroundings, Enoch obviously was set apart because he, he was able to live a godly life in those surroundings. Noah, of course, he, he was on both sides of the flood. He was found grace in God's sight also. But what set Enoch apart? And the, the scriptures answer it. And we can apply it to the day we live in. 
It says in Genesis 5.22, which we read earlier, that Enoch walked with God. And you know, we've seen that picture of walking with God and that Christian, in the Christian life is found throughout Scripture. You know, one comes to mind now, blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. So again, sitting and walking, walking again, it's uh, mentioned so much in Scripture. So when we walk with God and in step with God, we're in agreement with him. And all of those requirements of obedience, love, trust, etc., they flow from that. But Enoch, in chapters 11, verse 5, Hebrews 11, verse 5, we find that Enoch was also pleasing to God. And we read there, By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony, again, we spoke about testimony earlier on, that he pleased God. Do you ever stop and ask yourself? I do sometimes. You know, are you pleased with me, God, today? You know, am I an offense to you or am I not doing what I should be doing? You know, do, do I please you? Good question to ask. And from that passage, we also see that Enoch, he was a witness for God. So when we're pleasing to God, we have a testimony and a witness. And as I said earlier, we have a, either have a good testimony or a bad testimony. And um, to have a good testimony, you need to be on that narrow road. You need to be walking on that narrow road with God. So Enoch could see where the pre-flood world was destined. And can you see today where the present day world is destined? And I'll just leave with that question. You know, this world is reserved for destruction, it says in Peter. And, uh, you know, we shouldn't put our faith and our trust in this world. It is coming to judgment. So the Lord bless one and all of you this morning. And uh, may you have a closer walk with him in 2023. Amen. Amen. And I think we, uh, we can close.